Presently, Miss Blank tore me from my refuge behind piles of one-sleeved shirts, odd socks, bandages, and lint, put basin, sponge, towels, and a block of brown soap into my hands, with these appalling directions. Come, my dear, begin to wash as fast as you can. Tell them to take off socks, coats, and shirts, scrub them well, put on clean shirts, and the attendants will finish them off and lay them in bed. If she had requested me to shave them all or dance a hornpipe on the stove funnel, I should have been less staggered. But to scrub some dozen lords of creation at a moment's notice was really, really... However, there was no time for nonsense, and having resolved when I came to do everything I was bid, I drowned my scruples in my washbowl, clutched my soap manfully, and, assuming a businesslike air, made a dab at the first dirty specimen I saw, bent on performing my task via at Armus if necessary. I chanced to light on a withered old Irishman, wounded in the head, which caused that portion of his frame to be tastefully laid out like a garden, the bandages being the walks, his hair the shrubbery. He was so overpowered by the honor of having a lady wash him, as he expressed it, that he did nothing but roll up his eyes and bless me in an irresistible style, which was too much for my sense of the ludicrous. So we laughed together, and when I knelt down to take off his shoes, he flopped also, and wouldn't hear of my touching them darshy craters. May your bed above be aisy, darling, for the day's work ye are doing. Push, there ye are, and bedad is hard telling which is the dirtiest, the foot or the shoe. It was and if he hadn't been to the fore, I should have gone on pulling under the impression that the foot was a boot, for trousers, socks, shoes, and legs were a mass of mud. This comical tableau produced a general grin, at which propitious beginning I took heart and scrubbed away like any tidy parent on a Saturday night. Some of them took the performance like sleepy children, leaning their tired heads against me as I worked. Others looked grimly scandalized, and several of the roughest colored like bashful girls. One wore a soiled little bag about his neck, and as I moved it to bathe his wounded breast, I said, Your talisman didn't save you, did it? Well, I reckon it did, ma'am, for that shot would have gone a couple of inches deeper but for my old mammy's camphor bag, answered the cheerful philosopher. Another, with a gunshot wound through the cheek, asked for a looking-glass, and when I brought one, regarded his swollen face with a dolorous expression as he muttered, I vow to gosh, that's too bad. I weren't a bad-looking chap before, and now I'm done for. Won't there be a thundering scar? And what on earth will Josephine Skinner say? He looked up at me with his one eye so appealingly that I controlled my risibles and assured him that if Josephine was a girl of sense, she would admire the honorable scar as a lasting proof that he had faced the enemy, for all women thought a wound the best decoration a brave soldier could wear. I hope Miss Skinner verified the good opinion I so rashly expressed of her, but I shall never know.'